Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Mart, get spring holiday savings. Buy three tyres and get the fourth absolutely free. Plus, up to $150 instant cash back on trusted tyre brands like Bridgestone, Yokohama, Goodyear, BF Goodrich, Michelin, Zenon and Motorsport X. Alloy wheels from only $125 and tyres from just $69. All with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Test and C's apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news, powered by race fuels in association with Bob Jane T-Marts. From supercars to club racing, race fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need them, and fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Each week, multi-award winning journalist Mark Fogarty brings the big stories and talks to the big names. If it matters in motorsport, you'll hear it first, right here on Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Gen 3 explainer, Larco breaks it down. Radio Revolution, how SEN will cover supercars. Formula One debrief, the wash up from Bahrain, boring or just baffling. All this and more, straight ahead on Parked Up Plus. Here's folks. Hi there, race fans. Well, the moment of truth is upon us. After all the delays, angst and controversy, Gen 3 goes racing on the streets of Newcastle this weekend. It's been an agonising journey for supercars to get the new Chevrolet Camaro and Ford Mustang across the line. They made it just after unprecedented last-minute changes and development. Right on the eve of the returning Newcastle 500, an aero adjustment has been mandated following last week's 11th-hour straight-line retest. Oddly, it's reportedly the Camaro that cops the change, not the Mustang, after all Ford's bleating about a lack of parity. We await Supercar's explanation of how last week's straight-line test prompted the oh-so-late review. Now, Gen 3 is the biggest change in Australian touring car racing history since the V8-only formula was introduced 30 years ago. So much is different about Gen 3 that it's hard to know where to begin to explain what the changes mean. So, who better to break it all down than popular TV pit lane pundit Mark Larkham? in his inimitable style. X-Racer Larko has the gift of explaining tech stuff simply and entertainingly. Here's his take on the tenets of Gen 3. For me, it's three points, folks. Uh, one, manufacturer relevance. You know, we, we wanted to have the cars more largely replicate the road car going version, the hero car if you like, of what we represent on the track. Um, and, you know, tick, that's, that's, that's been achieved. And, and then we've got engine DNA in there now. As you know, our previous engines, whilst they had fragments left of, um, you know, Holden or General Motors and, and Ford in there, essentially they were bespoke engines, pretty well 100% manufactured by the teams and engine builders, et cetera, and so on. Now we have some engines. Yes, they're modified. Of course they're modified, but largely they represent um, you know, engine DNA from both the manufacturers. So that's that's all good stuff. Uh, the other things, the resourcing stuff I just talked about, you know, teams to try and 
maintain their operations at a level where they don't need to be manufacturing organisations, all of them. And thirdly, and probably the most important one that you know your listeners and me that enjoy the racing want to hear about is we wanted to make the cars more challenging for drivers to drive. We wanted them to be able to follow each other more closely on the circuit. We hear Shane Van Gisbergen banging on about it all the time. Can't get close to the car in front. Aero wash. And that's because our cars over time, we're our own worst enemy, mate. Just like Formula One, we can't help ourselves. Engineering masturbation, we call it that way. Let's make the cars better and better and more aero and a little tweak here and a little gurney there. And we re-homologate and we just end up and we go, Jesus, how did we land here? And we end up with all this downforce on the car, which compared to a Formula One car, I mean, it's, we're not talking big numbers, but for our cars, it's a lot. And simply that means the closer you are to a car in front, you are affected with the performance of your car. It's hard to get in the proximity of that car, in the brake area, approaching a corner, uh, et cetera, and so on. So we wanted to try and do some work on that. And a lot of work has been done on that. And we just wanted to overall take a bucket load of downforce off the car to make them more challenging to drive, uh, move around more you know, in braking areas, in corners, and make the drivers work harder in that circumstance. Um, and you also want the challenge of, you know, managing your tyres. So, you know, tyres are likely going to degrade at a faster rate. Um, now, they're all unknowns at the moment, but what I do know, I think they've, they're pretty well around the target of getting 60% of the air off these cars, which is a lot. I'm already talking to drivers, and we can discuss that in a moment, mate. But, you know, they're bleating. That's great. Laco is expecting a lot of uncertainty in Newcastle. I think it's going to be a very popular weekend. You know, I, I don't say that there might not be some some initial teething dramas. These are race cars, folks. You know, we both know that race cars are all about development and ongoing development. There's not a race team car in the world, be it Gen 3 or F1, that doesn't go through a development phase in its initial life. We know that. Um, but there has been, as you know, I mean, I, I think we're now up to, you know, I think we're in excess of 15,000 kilometres of testing now. Um, so... Mate, what, what do I predict? I, I think what's really cool about this, mate, I actually honestly, hand on heart, don't know. The, the, the cream, of course, will rise to the top. But because of some of the drivers I've spoken to and some of the vibes I'm getting, which is distinctly different from the more mature drivers in our pit lane than, say, the younger guys, this is what I reckon is cool. So the older guys, going to what I was saying earlier, are frustrated. Um, I, I, I can just sense that they're, they're feeling hot in their little cockpits and they're, you know, they're not feeling the, the thing the way they're used to. And the younger guys I've spoken to seem far less perturbed about it. So as we go to Newcastle, I reckon the game is going to be this. If, if you're a driver, let's say you're one of the senior drivers that's likely to be a championship contender, you're going to have to find a way with your engineer hiding in a corner or a tent somewhere to stay away from all the noise and the emotion and the parody debates and all the hoo-ha uh, and some of the nuances of a new car to just focus on what matters, getting that anti-roll bar setting right before you start the race or the ride height or the roll center, whatever it might be, and then driving the car and not being distracted, not being disturbed, not letting your head get messed up because you're hotter, the tyres are degrading faster, whatever it might be, because remember, wait, we've got different fuel. We've got different fuel fillers. We've got different fuel fill rate. We've got different wheel nuts. We've got different hot rims onto cold hubs. All of that stuff's new. There will be dramas. 
And somehow you've got to find a way to whack on your tunnel vision, stay focused on what matters. You can't influence all that other stuff as a driver. And I reckon who does that best, provided their car doesn't have a failure, um, and there's no reason to think they will, um, that will prevail. Who's that going to be? I, I can't tell you, mate. I, I, just, I mean, we haven't run on a super bumpy circuit with curbs yet. What's all that going to mean and look like with these cars? Can't wait to see. He also thinks there'll be plenty of drama in the races. So, yeah, there, there'll be trauma. There'll be drama. Folks, there is, there is nothing sure. And as I say, I just reckon the nature of what they've done with the downforce and the geometry and what have you, I think I genuinely believe the, the mistake window is now a bigger window. Um, and again, all very nice running around testing all you like, but when someone's sniffing around your ass, um, sorry, that's, I didn't phrase that very well, did I? But you know what I mean? The rear yeah. end of your car, <laughs> the ass end of your car. When someone's sniffing around, giving you a little touch up in the back there um, or, or having a little of a lunge and you decide you're going to go five metres deeper to, deeper to defend, your wheel's locked, you can't quite feel it. Mate, I just see that mistake window opening up um, and then add to that, the strategy implications, you know, the, the new fueling rig, which is all new where it goes into the car. We can talk about that another time. It's all complex, new, much safer, much better, expensive, beautiful piece of kit, but it's got smaller hoses on it. So it flows slower. So now your fuel flow rate is different when you stop at your pit stop. That's got some strategy implications. Now the fuel drop for the race at, at Newcastle is a less of a fuel drop than when we've been there before. So my quick calc on a, I pad here a moment ago. I think the actual time stopped in pit lane will be uh, equivalent over the course of the day. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's going to play out going forward. You know, track position is going to become a critical consideration as you sit there with a slower fuel flow. Um, there's a million things, mate. The real, where, where the, as a result of that, where the, the S-bike guy stands is now in a different spot. Where the, where, I was looking where the exhaust now exits because it's up really forward at the front door. Um, you know, is that going to have implications for the airspike guy there? Is it going to have implications with um, the exhaust fumes? I mean, there's just all of these, all of these things. The fuel, the, the fuel cell, mate, it's in the, not in the car, but it's much further forward in the car. There's no back seat type area in the car now. The bulkhead's right up in there and the fuel cell's sort of just behind that and it's tall. Um, you know, and fuel gets really hot in a race. So, you know, does that heat migrate into the cabin? The cabin's smaller. Um, are we going to see hot, frustrated drivers that make mistakes? All of this is yet to play out. I reckon it's going to be a fascinating weekend. Gen 3 shifts the fan dynamic, changing from Ford versus Holden to Chevrolet versus Ford. Mark Luckham thinks history will support the big switch. I believe so. I, I think we've got still some more work to do to ensure that every, you know, red jacket, Brock, Lounge, Scaife, Cup type fan over all those years knows that by default they're you know a, a GM fan, and I'm going to try and do a little bit of work on that this weekend. Um, you know, and, and and as a business, I think we've got to make sure we, you know, people know that connection. I mean, General Motors Holden, you know, you you know as well as I do, folks. You know, and you go back to the early Monaros when when all this started back in the '60s, and um, you know, look at the General Motors badge on the Holden cars all the way through there. So. You know, we're from the same family and they had a Chevy engine in that Monaro back then. Um, so, you know, there, there is a strong connection. I, I accept that, you know, okay, you can't go in a showroom and just go and buy that Camaro. But but, but I see it differently and I, and I hope the world and the manufacturers certainly see it, see it this way, that what Ford and GM are doing is, you know, it, it's not necessarily about 
race on Sunday, buy on Monday. You know, that's that's long gone. And, and our options were limited because we don't make Falcon and Commodore anymore. I'm personally really, really glad where we've landed because it's who we are. We're big, we're brash, we're in your face. We don't hide from the fact that we're VH. We got we got new fuel. It's, it's a little bit cleaner, which is nice. A little bit more eco-friendly, which that's all nice. But at the end of the day, we don't hide from the fact we're entertainment. Yes, we've got increased manufacturer relevance, but it's really important that we're entertainment. And it's really important, I think, that you be you know you work out which side of the fence you're on, red or blue. Although it's now blue and blue and blue, which is a uh, a bit a bit confusing. Well, but, blue but and gold, was, actually. Well, gold Chevy, but the GM yeah. badge is blue. Yeah, right. Um, so. So, folks, you know that 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 connection is is very much there. I want to try very much to try and uh, highlight that because what these manufacturers are doing is saying we compete. You know, these are some hero cars. We race. We compete. We're not afraid of competition, and they're great messages. So, who will challenge Shane Van Gisbergen for the title? As a form guide, you know, you you'd think, wow, you know, Waters is making big statements as he should be that you know. He's finally going to, you know, he's sick of coming second. And and if we support his cause, it would say, for me, he is the only guy in the field that really, when he's been near Van Gisbergen, has really roughed him up, you know. But but the, but but him and that car, and I, I'm not saying one or either, but just, and the team, they know there's just been two up and down, you know, great weekends, then an average weekend, then a great weekend, an average weekend. They just haven't been there right at the pointy end every time enough. Then you've got Anton Di Pasquale. Proves that he's the fastest guy over and over and over over a lap. But until he starts his year by laying down a foundation that he can build on and have an assault on a championship and lose the odd, you know, lose the odd battle to win more wars um, and work hard with Ludo to get that car right, he's, you know, maybe a contender. But whichever way you cut the cake, you know, sorry, and I have to talk about Mostert, you know, Will Davison, his experience he brings to the table. You know, fabulous. He, who would have thought Will was going to be so fast at this end of his career so consistently? Moster, always really, really love and rate this guy. But I've got to say, my first impressions of, you know, him in this Gen 3 car, I, I, this is what I said earlier, mate, is I think some of these more established drivers may get frustrated and they're going to have to break through that. So in amongst that, let's call that that leading group, and there's a couple others that you know of, in amongst that leading group, I can't see Shane Van Gisbergen's a freak. So what's changed? He's going to go into 2023 still a freak. He's still got that same incredible racing brain. He'll still find a way, I'm sure, of going faster and using his tyres less than others. He knows how he does that. Of reading the play, you know, ahead, just having that remarkable crafted racing brain um, that, 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 prevails in all circumstances. Now, does that mean he's not going to have a bad day or or issues? You know, he is part of the homologation team. Arguably, they should know a little bit more about the car than others. Having said that, it's been apparent. Uh, you know, he's going to be hard to beat. Larko has a lot more to say about Gen 3 and what we can expect. And you'll hear the full interview in Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday. As you'd expect... It's an entertaining listen, full of insights and quips. Larko, of course, is back as the pit lane pundit on the Supercars broadcasts. His Hino Hub analyses will now be seen on Seven's free-to-air telecasts as well as Fox Sports coverage. 
for the first time ever, there will be regular live radio coverage of supercars events this season, starting at Newcastle on Sunday. Sports Network SEN will broadcast live from events with the commentary team we can reveal, headed by the V8 sleuth, Aaron Noonan. SEN boss Craig Hutchison, a noted sportscaster himself, outlined the coverage plans exclusively to Parked Up Plus. A whole new foray for us into being a live play-by-play caller of supercars. And uh, so SEN Supercars starts this Sunday. We'll be taking all afternoon into our SEN 1170 station in Sydney, through our SENQ 693 in Brisbane and uh, our Gold Coast station uh, on our SEN app and, and into New Zealand and a whole bunch of stations more broadly. So um, check out the SEN broadcast guide for details. Yeah, really exciting. I think the sport's in a great position. Exciting year with the Gen 3 arriving. Um, you know, obviously, we've had a, a radio show called The Driver's Seat for many years, which has got a big following. And so this is the next step for us. And we're excited to enter your world, folks. Well, it's exciting to have live radio coverage of supercars. It's it's about time. So who's going to present the coverage? Who are the big names? Um, SEN usually has big names on their commentary team. So who have you got lined up for us? Yeah, Aaron Noonan is going to front our coverage, which will uh, be really exciting. Aaron's got a great connection to the sport, uh, very respected, does a great job. Uh, you'll hear voices like Fabian Coulthard and James. Moffat and others. Uh, more announcements this week, but we've been building a team. We had a short runway to do it. <laughs> so uh, it's come together very quickly. Um, and it's a huge honour, folks, to be given the opportunity to call uh, Supercars. I think uh, SEN Supercars is the brand that we will build. I think one of the gaps in the sport, maybe some people tell me at least anyway, is the opportunity to have a long and extended call of day's race. And on radio, of course, it's free and uninterrupted. And Look, the, the fact that I know that Saturdays is a big part of it and there'll be plenty of Saturday coverage too, including long-form coverage on Saturdays at the key events. But from our point of view, the Sundays um, is a supercar day and it fit, fitted our scheduling really well. So, yeah, we're absolutely thrilled. The best news is that SEN, as we predicted, will be providing dedicated coverage, not just topping and tailing the TV race calls. SEN Supercars broadcasts will be on its main radio stations in Sydney and Queensland from noon to 5pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time and elsewhere on its digital radio and streaming platforms. The coverage is available everywhere in Australia and New Zealand on the SEN app. According to Hutchie, SEN has added supercars to its big portfolio of live sports coverage because, well, the time is right. Well, firstly, the opportunity, we'd always asked the question, uh, probably hadn't hunted uh, the rights aggressively, but had always asked, would it be available? And there's been a long-standing relationship with the, the FM provider, which we uh, respect and understand. And the, the, the FM model is a little different to ours. Obviously, we're an always-on sport format. So we'd always been interested. Um, we made the driver's seat um, for many years. We've got an app called the driver's seat app, which is full of motorsport and supercar news and the next step always felt like at the right time to enter the opportunity to call live and play by play um we were given the opportunity and we jumped at it i think the sport's in really good nick we've noticed in the past folks when our driver's seat 
radio show, which is which uh, Matt McKeldin and Steve Johnson done a great job on alongside Nims on Wednesday nights live. It's huge following. Uh, it's world podcast. It's running again on Sunday mornings on our stations. And then I think it was last year or the year before we did a one-off event in uh, New Zealand. Um, not supercars, but a, a, another form. It's name escapes me at the moment. But um, when the camera crews couldn't get in and the volume of response we got on the app downloads and the interest was huge. So there's clearly a very passionate audience there. We believe in choice. So we're a big believer in you should be able to find your passion in our network. We shouldn't have to tell you what ours is and you fit. It should be the other way around. Um, and clearly there's a big supercar community and fraternity around the, both countries. And the fact that we could take it in New Zealand as well with, of course, we know how successful the New Zealand drivers have been. So that, that's been a, um, a nice piece as well. So yeah, we attack it with enthusiasm. Um, it's our first go. So I'm sure it'll take a little bit of time to, to bet in, but we can't wait. Hutchie also thinks SEN's radio deal is a sign of renewed mainstream media interest in supercars. Well, I hope so. I mean, I think it's, we, we don't come with any history to um, that we're settled with. We just come with fresh enthusiasm. So we'll be covering it aggressively on our SEN app, SEN.com, our SEN audio news, which is our own news, and all of our shows in each state everywhere. I, I look at the sport from the outsider's point of view, and I'm not a traditional um, car guy, um, folks. So of my um but I, all my friends are and they tell me the sport's in um fantastic shape and growing quickly we had great enthusiasm around our business uh for it got a lot of advocates internally and you know we'll put our energy behind um se and supercars and and try and take the audience uh, a little bit deeper and further behind the scenes i think one of the great things about it is it's a great it's well marketed the drivers are very accessible and available. The teams are very marketing savvy. I think it's in great ownership hands now and, and hats off to the team that have taken ownership led by Barclay. So yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to get behind it. And I think, um, you know, it's like any sport. You can, there are times when it's at peak interest. There's times when it's in transition. Uh, I think it's, uh, supercars in a great spot. Craig Hutchison is a power broker in sports radio rights in Australasia. He has a lot more to say about the potential of supercars as a draw card on audio platforms, and you'll hear the whole interview in Parked Up on Thursday. More after this. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast is all in the name. It's all motorsport, focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Welcome back. A new look Dunlop series for Super 2 and Super 3 also kicks off at Newcastle. Network R's Heath McAlpine outlines what's different and who are the young guns to watch. After concerns were raised late last year surrounding the strength of Super 2, and our ultra-competitive 19 entries will contest the opening round at Newcastle this weekend. With reigning series winning team, Triple Eight Race Engineering and key rival Grove Racing not making a return, this season promises to be one of the most open in recent times. In another major change, Super 2 teams will race the Gen 2 specification Ford Mustang and Holden ZB Commodore for the first time. 
Leading the contenders will be last year's runner-up, Zach Best. He has a lot to prove after missing out on a Tickford Racing full-time main game seat and a Super 2 ride. He will contest the season in an ex-Dick Johnson Racing Ford Mustang entered by Anderson Motorsport. A late deal for previous race winner Jalen Robotham puts him in an MW Motorsport Ford Mustang at Newcastle after racing in previous seasons with Image Racing. The striking silver of Patronus makes a return to the grid in the form of Blanchard Racing Team's sole Mustang for Western Australian young gun Aaron Love. He nearly stole the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia title last year despite missing early rounds due to his overseas career. Privateer Zane Morse is another Mustang mounted, so too James Marston, son of M's Car Series winner Steve. Tickford Racing entered two Mustangs for reigning Super 3 winner Brad Vaughan and Ellie Morrow. Vaughan's lead Super 3 rival last year, Kai Allen, forms an impressive four-pronged Holden entry from Eggleston Motorsport, with Cameron Crick returning alongside former Porsche ace Cooper Webster and Jordan Sinney, who makes the jump from Formula Ford. Veteran Jack Perkins returns to full-time competition and Assurance Partners-backed Erebus Motorsport Commodore, with this season enjoying a mo- more involvement from the main game teams. Brad Jones Racing have entered Trans Am racer Lockie Dalton, as Walkinshaw and Reddy United enter the season with rookie pair Zach Bates and New Zealander Ryan Wood, both being mentored by long-time enduro driver Warren Luff. Nash Morris transfers to Holden for his second season, with Matt Charter doing likewise after being the lead runner for the Blue Oval for some time. The final driver is the one with the most consistent lead-in, being Jay Hansen as he continues at Image Racing in a Holden. A surprise entrant to this year's Super 2 Series is Speedway convert Callum Walker, who will race an ex-James Golding Premier Racing-owned ZB Commodore in this year's series. The second generation lead the way in Super 3, where Jet Johnson, Mason Kelly and Cameron McLeod will make their supercars debuts in Nissan Ultimas as part of a 10-car entry. Two races kick off the season this weekend on the streets of Newcastle. I'm Heath from Network R, reporting for Parked Up Plus. Formula One returned at the Bahrain Grand Prix. The new season started with a, well, largely predictable result. World champion Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez finishing a donut one-two for Red Bull Racing. The surprise was veteran Fernando Alonso's third place in his first race with Aston Martin. But it was a tough debut for new Aussie hope Oscar Piastri. Dubai-based expat Australian motoring journalist Damien Reid calls Formula One races for Middle East TV network Saudi Sports Company's English language service. With the Melbourne GP just a few weeks away, I spoke with Reid for his analysis of the Bahrain GP. Well, Damien Reid... Not the most exciting race to kick off the season, but what's our takeaway? What did we learn from it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the headlines there, Mark, you're going to see it's a, it's a Red Bull 1-2 by a, by a country mile, another Verstappen win. But uh, I guess the big takeaways from it I saw was uh, was what was happening a little further down the road. And the real talking point, of course, was was Aston Martin, Fernando Alonso and, and Lance Stroll. Um the old guy at 41, he got up there and uh, and got them a podium on his debut with the team. And, you know, that, that car has been looking good pretty all, pretty much all weekend. 
and and even in pre-season testing. And uh, he came through and and delivered when it mattered. It was touted as the dark horse going into the Bahrain Grand Prix. And, uh, well, it's certainly looking promising for both, uh, as you say, the old guy, Alonso and Aston Martin. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, it's, it's at the other end of a, a fairly hefty investment from the team to, to get this kind of new. I was having a chat with uh, their deputy um, technical chief, Eric Landon, uh, on Thursday. And he said, look, the car is 90% new, you know, um, compared to what, what we ran last year, the AMR 22, this new one now is 90% um, of the parts are new. More than 95% of the aerodynamic surfaces are different to last year's car. So a lot of stuff going on there. A few new faces uh, or some old faces back in the in the, in the the paddock and you know, Martin Whitmarsh walking around wearing Aston Martin shirts. And, you know, so there's there's investment going in and uh, and, and it's this is what we saw the result of. And I, I just really hope that Sebastian Vettel's out playing with his apri or cycling on his bike or something and wasn't watching, you know, the fruits of his labours coming to, to, to fruition after he'd retired. A tough start to the season for McLaren and, and particularly Oscar Piastri. They wouldn't be happy. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a, a tough one. McLaren have got a lot of work to do. Their pace was was very poor. And they're in big trouble. Um, you know, having said that, I mean, Oscar did get up to to eighth there at one point, uh, and did an amazing job. But uh, you know, the car itself has some big troubles. And you, and you you look at the fact that not so much Oscar because it's his first time driving the car, but Lando Norris, he's starting his fifth year with with McLaren, and uh, he was almost knocked out of Q one by a by a rookie in a Williams. Uh, you know, Logan Sargent and himself, they set absolutely identical times to the thousands of a second. Uh, but you know he got through because he said it first, and and then during the course of the race that was that was the, the short run. Then in the in the long run during the course of the race, his biggest battle again was with Sergeant in in the Williams. So that's not where McLaren want to be or where they should be uh, dealing with a, a a rookie in the slowest car, arguably. So it's an it's it's an uphill battle. Poor old Oscar's got uh, a lot of work to do to try and turn that around. Having said that. I think under the circumstances, he qualified with a set of scrub softs. He, uh, he, he, the, the red flag came out during qualifying, not to his, uh, he, not to not not to suit him so well, but um, he did perform until ultimately it was a mechanical issue that uh, that that pulled him up as a steering wheel issue. I believe he lost his uh, the the ability to access uh, the, the paddle shift, so there was some hydraulics going on there, and it was just all over for him, unfortunately. Ferrari also disappointing. Looks like they've got some work to do on reliability and also race pace. Yeah, I mean, the, it, you would think that with the new management, Freddie Vasseur in there, and you know they might have things turned around. And the last thing you wanted to see was Charles Leclerc pulling over with uh, what appeared to me. I mean, Freddie hasn't confirmed anything yet. He said it was an engine issue, but it wasn't the engine itself. He said it was an accessory. So. I'm assuming it's something to re related to the electrical power unit of the car because uh, you can see on the onboards, all the hydraulics were working, the gears were working. You know, um, Leclerc was was clicking it back from, from sixth down to first, no problem, but it was silence from from uh, under the engine cover. So it sounds fairly big and and that's um, that was a problem. Now, the other car that finished, Carlos Sainz, you know, the tyre degradation on him was was costing him a huge amount of time. And he was he he cooked his tyres trying to defend from Alonso earlier on in the race. 
and then that cost him later on in the, as well. And they just didn't have the pace uh, to to match. And you know, at the moment, you'd have to say that uh, you know the big three would be would be uh, you know Red Bull and, and throw Aston Martin in there. And I'd probably put Mercedes and Ferrari on on an equal keel at the moment. Well, Formula One staying in, well, staying in the Middle East. Next stop next week is the Saudi Grand Prix at the Jeddah Street Circuit. I guess, well, a very different track, and that'll give us another gauge heading towards Melbourne as to, well, who's who in the zoo. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's a, as we know, it's an incredibly fast track, but you cannot afford to put one wheel wrong. It's 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 like Monaco, but faster. You know, uh, you get it wrong, you get it wrong in a big way, as as uh, as uh, Mick Schumacher found out last year. So I think, given McLaren's situation right now, Oscar Piastri would probably you'd probably want to go in there with kick gloves and, and be a little bit careful to make sure you just bring the car home. And not have a big one um, in in front of your sponsors, but um, you know there's there's that, and then also too, don't forget Aston Martin. Their title sponsor is Aramco, the, the the biggest company in in Saudi. So, you know they want they're going to want to they're going to come off the back of of this podium, uh, wanting to to do it again in 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 uh, Saudi. So there'll be pressure on Aston Martin to deliver. Now they've delivered once, you can't go backwards, as you know in Formula One. You, they, it's going to stay there. So I think we're going to see pressure on on Aston Martin, and uh, and I'm, I really hope that that we can hope that just Oscar can just just get through that race and bring the car home without any damage. If he does that, because there's safety cars galore at this at this track, then uh, there's a chance he he might even be up in the points. I mean, he was in, he was eighth earlier on before all these mechanical troubles tonight. Damien Reid is one half of an Aussie duo that calls F1 races in the Middle East region. His co-commentator is fellow expat Phil Anson. Their race coverage is also heard in North Africa alongside Arabic commentary. Back after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuels.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. And we're on the run to the chequered flag. As well as the Formula One opener, Formula Two and Three had their first rounds in Bahrain ahead of their debut down under at Albert Park. And the IndyCar series started at the St. Petersburg Grand Prix in Florida. With his roundup of all the weekend's racing action outside Formula One, here's Grant Rowley. Thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Teammarts. The Formula One World Championship roared back into life. And as you would have heard in this pod already, Max Verstappen started his three-peat title trek with a commanding victory. The opening races of the FIA Formula 2 and Formula 3 were also held in Bahrain. Ralph Bozchung took victory in the Sprint F2 event, while Frenchman Theo Pochier dominated the feature. Australian Jack Doohan 
didn't have the best start to his season, finishing 11th and 16th in the two races. In FIA Formula 3, Pepe Marti took the victory, while Italian Gabriele Bortoletto won the second race. Aussie trio Hugh Barter, Christian Mansell and Tommy Smith performed well on debut. Barter was the best placed in 11th during race one, just falling short of scoring a point. F2's next round will be held at the Jeddah Street Track before both F2 and F3 travel to Albert Park for the first time as support to the Formula One Rolex Australian Grand Prix. On the other side of the world, the IndyCar Series started on the streets of St. Petersburg as Swede Marcus Ericsson led Pato Award and Scott Dixon to take the first victory of the season. Aussie Willpower finished seventh ahead of Penske teammate Scott McLaughlin in 13th after contact with Romain Grosjean in the battle for the lead. The World Superbike Championship contested its second round in Indonesia with Alvaro Bautista winning both races on his Ducati. Australian Remy Gardner failed to start the opening race and finished seventh in the second. And on home soil, the opening rounds of the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge was held at Phillip Island. Young Kiwi gun Marco Giltrap took two wins, while Aaron Shields picked up his first win in the class for TechWorks. Giltrap leads the title from Shields and the Bob Jane T-Mart supported entry of Harrison Goodman. Fourth in the standings is Ronan Murphy, the son of Bathurst great Greg. That's the news from Home and Abroad. I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus with thanks to Bob Jane T-Marts. See you in Newcastle. As well as the Newcastle 500, this coming weekend features the Phillip Island Classic. The annual historic racing event at the island is headlined by several classic Formula One cars, but not Ferrari Formula One star Eddie Irvine as previously advertised. Salver star Valtteri Bottas, though, will be at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival later this month. Bottas will drive an 80s Group A Alfa Romeo and has also hinted he might have a run in a supercar. The phlegmatic Finn has, of course, gone full Aussie, bending the summer down under and cultivating a classic mullet hairdo. 1980s Ferrari and McLaren F1 star Stefan Johansson will also be performing on the Victoria Park section of the former Adelaide F1 circuit. Finally, we're hearing Seven's Freeware Supercars coverage at the big events will be more distinct. Seven is showing six events live, starting with this weekend's Newcastle 500. Seven and Fox Sports will continue to simulcast race commentary, but the word is that pre- and post-racing coverage will be different. You'll see a lot more of Mark Beretta and Jack Perkins and other network personalities exclusively on Seven as it puts more of its own stamp on the live events. That's it for now. Back next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday for those big Larco and Hutchie interviews and more free Newcastle 500 insight. And don't forget Network R's other must-listen podcasts. Tanae McLeod and Priya Richards present Girls on the Grid each Monday and every second Friday, Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith host the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Show. 
this has been Parked Up Plus, where you hear the big news from the big names every week. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 